All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Daily Face-Off Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome into Season 9, Episode 26 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Must be 19 years of old or older, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Fellas, it's been a little bit since we last did an episode. Hope you guys both had a terrific holiday season. Happy New Year's to both of you as well. D, you're back in Toronto, which means you have a proper mic. You no longer sound like you are underwater. So welcome back, kid. True, true. Uh, thanks for having me. New Year, same pod. Uh, ready to get back into it and talk about some fringe players in terms of fantasy relevance. Super duper excited to be here, bro. Jesus, just bringing so much energy to the podcast. Michael B's Bond, you got a little bit more fire than that. Absolutely, boys. Did you notice something different about me um, when I got on the pod today? Probably, it's probably that I'm a champion now. Um, I just won our fantasy football league, so I'm on top of the world with the two fellas here. So um, I'm just going to bring it up every single episode going forward because, you know, that's just me. Um, But no, I'm doing good. Survived Christmas. Absolutely drowned myself in gravy. And 
here we are. I've been dealing with this for a week, Brock. That's why I have no more will to, to live or, or pod. Like I do have me. to admit, D is in two leagues that I won, so he has to hear double the amount. Uh, one guy in our league actually smashed the trophy after I won that one. Uh, it was very close, but he was not happy with me. Are you won? I have no idea you won. Yeah, and I, I proceeded to walk around the party with a belt on um, oh. because it was New Year's, um, a championship belt, but my trophy was smashed. So, uh, But anyways, we're on top of the world. Really can't can't uh, can't complain right now congrats uh, dude had no idea yeah yeah no i wasn't sure if you knew d just wanted to let you know but uh brock as well and the collective audience you got a champion around you jesus Thank all you. right let's move into fantasy hockey because no one gives a shit about fantasy football around here um no, we are going boys. to talk about waiver wire pickups it's been a bit since we covered them uh we've also got a, a pretty Good amount of injuries going around in the league right now. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners out there have lost Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, kind of unfortunate timing because right before the holiday break, we did say it would be a good time to buy low on Kirill Kaprizov. So if he did and now he's hurt, we do apologize for that, but we can't control that. So uh, we've got a number of forwards, defensemen, and goalies to go through. We're not going to go through each one of them in depth because there's really no point. Like like D said, they're, they're fringe players. A lot of times it might even have a lot to do with position eligibility or their schedule that makes you, you know, decide between which guy you're going to pick up. So we're going to talk about everybody a little bit, talk about our favorites at different ownership tiers and uh, make our way through the list. Then we'll get to these weekend streamers as well to make sure you lock down a win to start the new year. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the forwards. We'll start at the top here at 38% on everybody we're going to talk about today. Uh, from a forward perspective, is under 40% owned, so they should be widely available um, in your leagues. First is Dawson Mercer, the New Jersey Devils. Mercer picked up two goals in his most recent game. He's been on a little bit of a heater as of late. Um, the New Jersey Devils also shuffled their lines around recently, and Mercer landed on the second line with Nico Heischer, which is a pretty good spot for him. But in his last 10 games, Mercer's picked up 10.6 goals, 4 assists. Schaffelheim still leaves quite a bit to be desired, just 1.7 shots per game over that time. But the playing time... Um, has really been impressive for Dawson Mercer. In his last five games, he's averaging over 20 minutes a night. So you love to see that. Uh, D, you were big on Dawson Mercer coming into the season. Uh, we talked about how his biggest issue is going to be kind of where he slots into that lineup. Timo Myers a little bit banged up right now, hasn't really played to his full potential. And now Mercer's playing 20 minutes a night, and he's landed in the top six. you got to like what you can get from him moving forward. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, he's moved up of late. Palat was out the other game as well, which opened up another spot in their top six. Uh, but even before that, that line was seeing a, a ton of ice. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, we've seen his shot volume climb up a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, just obvious as it was coming into the season, the talent he has uh, and possesses for such a young player, that's what had us so excited coming into the year. You know, the big red flags were obviously all the additions they made around him. Uh, obviously Meyer being last year, but then signing to Foley in the off season. Uh, but Mercer's, you know, still finding a way to, to get that uh, premier ice time. And uh, that should certainly continue in the short term. So long as obviously Meyer's sideline, I'm not sure how long uh, Palat will be out either. But like I said, even, uh, even when both of those guys were healthy and in the lineup, that third line was seeing a ton of ice time. So he's still going to have a hard time fighting his way up to that top power play unit. But uh, I, you know, if he keeps producing like he has over the last few games, it uh, should only be a matter of time because he's really just letting his talent uh, and his hard work starting to show for itself. Yeah, this is absolutely kind of just everything coming out in the wash. This is what we were excited about. Certainly what D was excited about going into the year. And uh, we're, we're starting to see it 
happen now. Brock, like you mentioned, 10 points in his last 10 games. Obviously, an inflated shooting percentage uh, helps out a lot. But until he gets that power play one time, uh, there's a couple other names here that, that kind of intrigue me a bit more. I will admit that. So I think that Mercer being closer to 40% is pretty fair. Um, I think that's good for Mercer. Maybe should be a little bit closer to 50, but definitely a name that you, you should keep an eye on going forward here. But uh, but I like some of the other names coming up. I won't, I won't lie. Yeah, Ricard Raquel seems to be somebody that um, is in a bit of a better spot than Mercer. I think you can feel a little bit more confident um, in his spot in the lineup as well. But Raquel comes in at 37% owned. When he returned to the lineup, he was slotted back on the top line with Sidney Crosby and Jay Gensel. And he's played extremely well since coming back. He was held pointless in the first game. Uh, but he's picked up a point in every single game since, uh, sorry, aside from one. Um, and he has a, at least another point so far tonight. Uh, but he's got seven points, three goals, four assists, and seven games since returning to the lineup. He's averaging over 19 minutes a night. He was recently bumped to the top power play unit as well. Uh, so Ricard Raquel certainly looks like somebody that uh, can continue to really reap the benefits of playing on this top line with Crosby and Gensel because for the, you know, the pretty much the entire season thus far, uh, Crosby and Gensel have been dominant. Um, I have a league where I own both of them, and it's just incredible. They go off pretty much every single night. The underlying metrics for the trio is, are absolutely outstanding as well. So, uh, Biebs, you said that you'd probably prefer, prefer somebody who sees power play one time over Dawson Mercer. I'm assuming Raquel is that name for you. Yeah, not probably. This is a certainly for double R out in Pittsburgh. Um, and, and he's the name that I'm, I'm most intrigued by on this list. I will give him that award right away. Um, as you mentioned, just been on fire since he came back and someone whose yearly stats probably are making people just scoff at him when they look at him on the free agency. He only has 11 points in 24 games, but seven points in his last six, four of which are goals. As you mentioned, the ice time is right there. He's just two seconds off of averaging over 20 minutes of ice in those six games since returning, which is just just insane um, to think that when he is, you know, fully, fully back and healthy here, we could be getting a little bit more. But for someone you can grab off the wire right now in this position, as you mentioned, power play one, line one, it's all right there. He's getting the ice time. He had 17 shots in those six games. That's not too bad. That's on pace for about 240 across an 82 game span. So these are all numbers that we love to see. And it's a guy who's under 40%. So uh, um, Raquel's shown us before that he deserves a roster spot in previous years. I think going into this year, he was being drafted top 100 in some leagues. So um, I think we are, uh, we're kind of seeing the it's halfway time and guys are doing what we thought they'd do part of the show. Um, D, do you like Raquel more than your boy Dawson though? Uh, if you had to, if you had that choice, come free. Yeah, I think it just depends on the format. I mean, uh, obviously, and I know you guys would say the same dynasty and keeper leagues. I think Mercer has reestablished himself enough to where I'd sacrifice that roster spot in the short term to lock up Mercer. And, you know, in a couple dynasty keeper formats myself, and Mercer's production was off to such a slow start that he was hitting the waiver wire even in those formats. Um, but, I, you know, you can't deny in, in terms of redraft leagues or even in banger leagues where Raquel traditionally offers more value. Uh, what he can bring to your team right now. Uh, and really interesting because it really has been a tale of two seasons for him on both sides of the injury. He had just four assists, no goals in his first 17 games before the injury. And then, as he said, point per game since he's come back. So um, really seems to have a finer stride. When you see those sort of splits, it makes you think whether or not he might have been playing with something in the interim. Obviously, that long, prolonged drought they had on the power play uh, early in the season plays into that as well for sure. Um, but yeah, back up with Crosby and Gensel and, and to Brock's point, they've been so good this season that, uh, if someone is being featured there, especially someone who's able to 
uh, shoot the puck on net as often as Raquel is. And like I said, chip in and banger leagues as well. You got to love the values given you in redraft leagues. So redraft leagues uh, and particular banger leagues, I'm definitely leaning Raquel's way, but uh, Mercer for me, at least enough has done enough in those dynasty keeper formats to warrant the roster spot over Raquel, uh, even in the short term. I do believe you yeah. got him in our dynasty league too, right? D Mercer. Correct. Scooped him in both formats. So happy. Sneaky, about it. sneaky. I think the big issue for Raquel early in this season is not really a huge issue. Not like Evgeny Malkin is, is no good, but um, he, he played almost the entirety before getting hurt with Malkin and Riley Smith, and they just don't quite have the same uh, underlying metrics that Crosby and Gensel have. So it's definitely been better uh, for him playing up on that top line. Uh, Josh Norris is next on our list, 35% owned, strict center eligible for the Ottawa Senators. Um, he has gone pointless in his last four games, but prior to that, he was on a heater. Seven goals, three assists, 10 points in his previous 10 games, 2.6 shots per game, uh, playing around 19 minutes a night. So, yeah, a little bit cold as of late, last you know week or so. But Josh Norris still playing in um, a top six in Ottawa that is still super talented. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this Ottawa Senators team. I, I say it on my DFS show all the time. I don't know if there's a more confusing team in the NHL because it seems like one game they, they they look great and maybe it's like the team that we expected in the offseason and, and then the next game, you know, they just get absolutely smashed and you don't really know which team's going to show up on a night-to-night basis. It seems like they'll play well against the Maple Leafs and that's about it. Um, but I don't know what to make of this team. I like Josh Norris, the player, but they can't, they don't seem to really know what... Um, line he's going to play on like him and Stisla have kind of flip-flop spots um so to me I'd rather Raquel um and probably Mercer at this point but I I do I do like Josh Norris a little bit especially if the Senators can kind of just find any sort of consistency moving forward uh D Norris is one of the names that you included on the list what intrigues you most about him just the high event nature of the Ottawa Senators. Like you said, it's they're a bit of an enigma and you don't really know what you're going to get to them on a night-for-night basis, but they tend to play up and down the rink. Uh, and particularly Norris when he's with Kachuk, like routinely average over 30 scoring chances per 60, both for and against. Uh, and that's just fantasy friendly. You know, it's going to become a bit of a risk in leagues uh, that account for plus minus. So you just got to take that in consideration. But with his usage, I love him whenever he's playing with Kachuk. So in redraft leagues, he's kind of a guy that, I'm not really hesitant to cut bait with if he gets moved off that line because his upside certainly takes a hit. Uh, but he's always created a ton of offense. And like I said, it's always, you know, uh, basketball in terms of getting up and down the ice when the two of them are together. So whenever he's playing with Kachuk, I'm happy to roll the dice. And, you know, we saw the fruits of that labor when he went on that goal streak uh, just prior to this cold stretch that he's been on. Yeah. Anyone who's getting 20 minutes on a team with just that talent around them, they're going to do well. And we saw it during that during that that hot streak nothing stopped him from doing it again doing it again it's kind of wild I, I i would have thought there would have been some correlation with the coaching change um out in ottawa there but but there really isn't he just hit a cold streak but um i i have to agree with you josh norris probably third maybe i i'd maybe take him above mercer here i think that'd be that'd be a toss-up for me it'd be how i'd be feeling that night but one thing that i did want to point out here is just some of the names that you'd be picking him up over in that area which is why i think i like norris so much um it's names like uh brayden shen i want him over that charlie Coyle started off hot but i still want josh norris just in that power play one line one anders lee averaging 14 minutes a game riley smith these are all guys that in comparison you're gonna want josh norris um in 
just for where he's at, the amount of minutes he's getting, he's averaging more than five minutes over most of these guys. Uh, Brock's boy, David Perron is right there at the same amount um, of own percentage while averaging 14 minutes a night. So yeah, that's right. Brock's boy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think all three of these make fantastic selections if you're in that 30% range. Um, but yeah, for me, I got to go Raquel and then I'm going Norris and then I'm going Mercer, but uh, just to throw a little, little hoop in the bag. One last player around 30% owned. Max Pacioretty made his season debut uh, last night. He didn't do a whole heck of a lot. One shot attempt, no shots on goal, but played just under 12 minutes. Obviously, he has not played a lot of hockey. Last night was his sixth game in the NHL since April. I think it was April 22nd, 2022. Um, So has not played a lot of hockey in the last year and a half. But uh, when he did play in the brief span last year with the Carolina Hurricanes in early January, he was okay, right? He scored three goals in five games, and the shot volume was just ex- you know as good as you would expect it to be for Max Pacioretty. 16 shots in five games, over three shots per game. That's what you come to expect from this guy. And he was doing that while averaging just uh, you know, 13 and a half minutes a night. So um, I-, I don't know where he settles into this lineup. I think... Most likely he lands somewhere on that second line, you know, once he, he's back to full health. Um, Anthony Mantha's played pretty well this year. Mantha and Connor McMichael seem to have a thing. So I think they would probably want to keep them together. Ovechkin, Tom Wilson kind of have their thing going. And then it leaves maybe Patretti and Strom to maybe figure it out or Patretti and Kuznetsov to kind of figure it out in that middle six. Um, I don't know how, you know, what the minutes are going to be like at his age. I don't know if he's going to crack that top power play unit. It's a real wait and see for me um, with Pacioretty. I, I do, in one of my leagues, I, I drafted him or picked him up right after the draft and kept him in the IR spot and, and held on to him. And I'm kind of interested to see what you get for him. Obviously, you get him off the wire, you're not paying anything for him. So I, I do think he's worth a flyer and see how he kind of hits the ground running. But I, I do think that there's hesitation. Like, I would much rather have Ricard Raquel. Um, I think that that is a much safer situation than what you're getting with, with patch already so um d of of the four names here around 35 percent on where does patch already fall on the list for you certainly yeah at the, at the bottom of the list for me as well like you said i think he's worth a flyer but i'm you know if i'm really in need of some dire short-term value i'm gonna look elsewhere i'm gonna look at one of the other three names we already talked about uh and i'm just really interested to see if he's going to be able to get anywhere near the shot blowing we're used to seeing out of him playing on a team that tends to get caved in at 5v5. Because you look at the teams that he's played on in recent years, I mean, even the short stint in Carolina last year with Vegas before that, and those Montreal teams he was on before, uh, all could certainly carry their weight uh, and regularly found themselves in the top third of 5v5 just in terms of possessing the puck, creating shot attempts, creating scoring chances, whereas the Capitals team that he's sliding into right now is bottom third in shot attempts per 60, bottom five, and of course, four percentage. Um, at 5v5. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult without a, you know, really defined number one center or even just a solid two-way center to get him up and down the ice and get him those shooting opportunities. Uh, And obviously I think it's going to take a while for him to get his ice time up as well. So I I think it's a bit of a long-term ad for a guy that's into his middle thirties, which is a hard sell in redraft leagues. So uh, I I think if you're in dire need of help, you know, he's worthy of a flyer and, and hopes they can get anywhere near um kind of the peaks that he's shown in the past but I, I do have my doubts about him getting anywhere near the shot volume that he's shown in the past and that's not even taking into account uh you know the back-to-back serious injuries that he's coming off of 
Yeah, I was just about to say that. If, if we're talking about the other three guys, I'm going to take the three dudes who are below the age of 30 and all have not had one, let alone two Achilles surgeries um, in the last five years. But that's what this guy's coming off of, 35 years old, two Achilles surgeries. It's uh, it's going to be a slow process. It's someone who I think we're going to be talking about maybe a month down the road when he's finally back moving, when we're starting to see the ice time get closer to 15, 16 minutes. But like you said, it's going to be protected. It's going to be slow. He's not on a great team. Ovi's not even producing that well this year, as we've seen, as we talked about. So what, what, what makes us think that a fresh off Achilles surgery, Max Pacioretty is going to, um, I'm also kind of in Brock mode though, where I threw a flyer at him at the end of the year, going to wait and see what's happening here. But I will say the leash is incredibly short. Um, if we see another mm, three, maybe four games at 12 minutes of ice time, um, and minimal shots, well, none yesterday, um, then I am going to say, see a max, I'll let someone else deal with that. And uh, I'll grab some of the names that are lower on this list because we got some juicy ones coming up. Speaking of lower on the list, I'm just going to name the next three guys. Uh, they are 27, 25, and 25% owned. You guys tell me which one you'd rather have. Deal. Archery Leckin, 27% owned. Still not back, um, but is somebody that is expected to be back very soon. You would fully expect him to slot uh, back into that that top six in Colorado, which has been lethal this year. He was also on the top power play unit before getting hurt. So uh, Lekkonen still hurt, but is coming back soon. He had eight points in his first 12 games with the Avalanche. And the shot volume was really what was an impressive uh, thing from Lekkonen, 2.8 shots per game prior to getting hurt. He was on pace for 232 shots, which would have been the first time he's been over 200 shots in his career, let alone 230. Uh, next on the list is Gustav Nyquist. Nyquist picked up another point so far tonight, which gives him now 10 points in his last six games. But if you take that even further, back to the beginning of November, November 4th, 26 points in his last 29 games. Uh, very quietly, just been absolutely outstanding for the National Predators. And that top line has been super good all year. They have not been separated pretty much from the, from the jump. And they all fully uh, play together on the top power play unit as well. So Gustav Nyquist has been effective both at 5v5 and on the power play. Over that time, he has 15 even strength points, nine power or 10 power play points. So been really effective both at even strength and on the power play. Really think that Gustav Nyquist is a sneaky addition, which, you know, many people kind of thought that his career is probably, you know, on his trending in the wrong direction and a bit of a, a questionable signing. Kind of him and Ryan O'Reilly, people question those signings, and they fit terrifically with Phil Forsberg, and that line's been absolutely outstanding all season. And then last is Adam Fantilli since the beginning of December, 13 points, seven goals, six assists in his last 15 games, 36 shots on goal over that time, so just over two shots per game, playing over 15 minutes a night. Uh, but most recently, he's been playing even more uh, since kind of around Christmas time. He's been averaging over 17 minutes a night. He's He's been kind of locked in on that line with Johnny Gaudreau. So I will say first and foremost that um, the one that I'm picking up is Gustav Nyquist. I actually scooped him in one of my leagues yesterday. Um, I play him in DFS constantly, and I'm just like, you know, it's probably time to get this guy on my roster because he's producing on a nightly basis. So my pick would be Gustav Nyquist. Beeps, who would you go with first here? Lekkonen at 27% owned left-wing eligible. Gustav Nyquist, 25% owned left-wing eligible. Or Adam Fentilli, center eligible, 25% owned. I will admit they're all incredibly good and i hate to sound just like you brock but i have to go nyquist i, I tweet often just what's happening kind of like the latest in lower owned players like 14 or 50 percent and under and it's always nyquist leading stats just like you said it's like 
you expect it to slow down and it's not, it's almost like uh, him and Ryan O'Reilly are just those, those sneaky guys who are going to be out there in leagues all year, but put up a point per game. They're the classic and Nashville loves them. So I love him. I think number two, I have to go Fantilli just because we're seeing, we're seeing the kind of, we've talked about it, a a change in just the youth movement out in Columbus. And and he's now on line one, like you mentioned, we still haven't seen him crack that top power play, but he's, you got to feel his games away when he does. As you're talking about it, he just picked up an assist. So he's hot. He is hot. I thought you were going to say he just got on power play one, but if you put him on power play one, you can chuck up about two more minutes onto that 15. And then we're, uh, it looks a little bit better of that overall ice time. And I think Fantilli can get his shot up towards three. Obviously that's future things to come, but if you can get him now when he's doing what he's doing, it's a, it's a nice little safety net that you have there. So I like Fantilli too. And then obviously Lekkanen, I don't think that Nishushkin's coming off that top line. He's an absolute truck up there. Scored his 20th goal of the season tonight. Um, He's now tied with Nathan McKinnon for the, the team lead out there so uh Lekinen, i think gonna be on second line likely still probably worth a waiver but i just i just don't uh i don't think that he has as much pull as these other guys i love what these guys are doing and i just i think if you can get almost point per game out of these other two guys you got to take that that for sure over what might be from Lekinen. um d though maybe you could maybe you could switch this up a bit maybe not maybe not i it's hard not to lead fantilly i just think he offers a little bit more upside than nyquist yeah. you know there, there's an easy path to imagine him to his hard production increasing and that's just him getting more ice time never mind the fact that he's 19 years old and seems to just be getting better and feeling more confident and comfortable in every single game um but yeah i don't think either is a bad pickup i think if you're really just looking for a short-term value and when the streaming schedule lines up accordingly i think nyquist is probably a better way to go but i do think he's a little bit more product of the situation he's in and the line mates that he's surrounded with which we know you know, as solid as that line has been and how consistent they've been in utilizing the three of them together all season long, uh, always a little bit more risky to really invest value. And I mean, we're picking them up either way, but it's a lot shakier that way, right? If he just randomly gets dropped down and maybe gets into Andrew Burnett's bad books for a couple of games and gets dropped down the lineup, all this value is going to go out the window. Whereas Fantilli really seems to be driving his own value and only is just earning more and more ice time every single game. Uh, and I think the fact that he's 19 years old is the only reason that uh, he's been limited to as many minutes as he has to this point. So I, I kind of expect Fantilli just to continue to eat more ice as the season goes along. He's already almost shooting three times a game. I think he's going to be a stud in this league for years to come. Um, he may not quite get to that level before the end of the season, but I really think it's just going to come down to usage. Um, so he's one that I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more excited about. And I, I think if, you know, it, like I said, if you're looking for just short-term value, someone that can help you out uh, on a week-to-week basis over the next few weeks, then Nyquist probably makes a little bit more sense. But uh, if you're maybe just kind of on the fringe of the playoffs in your league and you're questioning yourself, how am I really going to make uh, a run towards the fantasy title in a few months? I think a guy like Fantilli could really explode in the second half if he gets the minutes that his play and his talent warrants. Yeah, I guess the I only have- thing I'm a little concerned about is the potential return of Boone Jenner, which is expected to be in the next week or two, and and, and whether or not that has a drastic effect, uh, effect on, on Fantilli's ice time. Like, does Jenner automatically go back with Gaudreau? We, we shall see how that shakes out. But uh, moving forward, it, it, it you know, Fantilli certainly looks good on that line with Gaudreau, and they've been putting up um, – kind of better numbers each and every night. Like they just are slowly improving seem to be building chemistry together and, uh, and getting better and stronger as, as it progresses. Um, just to go back to the abs here for a sec. Um, the currently it, it, it's Jonathan Drouin on that top line with McKinnon and Rantanen and the on that second line with Johansson. Um, Miles Wood, Bros, 
Colton, Logan O'Connor have been terrific. They've been split up lately just to try to kind of balance things out. But I would imagine they'll be back together on the third line and Lekkonen will probably slot in uh, on that second line with Johansson and Nachushkin most likely because Drouin mm-hmm. has looked pretty comfortable there on that top line recently. So um, it's going to be interesting. I do think that Johansson, Lekkonen, and Nachushkin have the ability to uh, be pretty good as a trio. And I do think Lekkonen has got some some juice. And, and if you're looking at your roster right now, you may have the ability to pick up not just one of these guys, but to you know, maybe add Lekkonen first if you've got that room to stash him on the IR, IR plus, pick up a Raquel, a Mercer, uh, a Norris, a Nyquist. And, and, and hopefully by then you, you can maybe have two of these guys because yeah, I, I do like potential um, that Lekkonen carries when he returns to the lineup here. Okay, moving into deeper Also, I have here. to admit, too, the bad alert got me. Nishushkin did not get the goal. It's now McKinnon. Sorry, go ahead there, Brock. Yeah, well, of course it's McKinnon. That's all he does, man. He's been, been on an absolute heater. They have been just it's going not. back and forth. Him and Matthews just both every single night just putting up a ridiculous amount of points. Um, okay, moving on. Below 10%, much lower owned players here, but some guys that have been putting up numbers and I, I guess it's kind of come full circle for us here. We talked about Jonathan Duran, about how we did not like this guy uh, coming into the season because there's no shot volume, there's no scoring upside. Um, he's turned things around, certainly. He, he's been much, much better as of late. It's not surprising that when you get put on a line with McKinnon and, and Rantanen that things could uh, turn around. But we've actually seen like some shot volume from Jonathan Duran. I don't know where this is coming from. Um, but he's been really, really steady in in the last couple of weeks, dating back to kind of the middle of December. He has picked up 10 points in his last 10 games, three goals, which is like more than he had in the last three years combined, seven assists for 10 points in 10 games, 19 shots, so almost at two shots per game, and averaging over 20 minutes a night in his last couple of games, which is just absolutely bonkers. So seems to be finding some confidence, seems to be playing a lot better, and obviously his line mates are, are, are just ridiculously good right now, and that doesn't hurt. And he's on the top power play unit. So um, I think in deeper leagues, Joanne is worth a flyer right now while he's on that line because it is is arguably one of the hottest lines in the NHL. I shouldn't say arguably. It's not, it's, it's, it is one of the hottest lines in the NHL. It's not, not even the deeper hottest. leagues either. <laughs> Like a yeah, ten team league, if you're, on, like, if you're on the fringe for a pickup at, uh, in Colorado's playing, but I mean, he would still be well down the list for me in terms of the guys that we've talked about here. Like, I'd still rather Raquel. This right? is a juicy like, list. Oh, for sure, Raquel. Like, um, so I, I do think it's a little bit of a deeper pickup. But the other names are Alex Kerfoot, who's been really, you know, I, honestly, I, I would have never guessed that we would talk about Alex Kerfoot on, on a fantasy podcast ever again. I, I thought that those days were were long gone. Um, those days like never really were here, right? Like he was like a forty point player every single season, but he's landed on this top line in Arizona that had struggled without. Uh, Barrett Hayton and he's kind of rejuvenated that line and he's played pretty well uh, as of late eight points in his last seven games averaging two shots per game playing 19 and a half minutes top power play unit as well uh, he's been quite good and then the last name on the list is Morgan Geeky at six percent owned in Boston he's picked up I believe another goal and an assist tonight I don't know if either one of you want to double check that I'm correct on that I know he scored I think he's got an assist as well um, and then coming into tonight he been playing pretty well, kind of mixing in on that top line, on and off, mixing in on the top power play unit, on and off. He had 11 points in his last 17 games coming into this evening. 39 shots on goal, uh, pretty solid shot volume there as well. Was definitely yeah, a, goal a, player, a goal yeah. and two assists. So he's just on a heater right now as well. So um, that game is five. Five five now. Oh man, I bet on Pittsburgh, and I was saw it was five three, and I was very excited about that. Um, it really hurts. One of the goalies we're about to talk about here on the show in a few minutes, but um, okay. Of this list, 
I I'll start with you, D, because I feel like I know where you're going here. Um, and let me know. Let's, let's see if I'm right. Who would you rather have, Kerfoot, Jeremiah, or Geeky moving forward? I, I would go Geeky. I just think there's more long-term potential here to stay in the spot that he's at. I mean, he's. I mean, it's not hard to click alongside David Pasternak, but his game really has just gotten to a next level. Um, and it's a bit of more of an unproven asset, whereas Kerfoot and Drew, to your point, kind of feels like we've been down this road before. Uh, I don't want to scoff at what Kerfoot's done, though. 17 points in his last 16 games. Like, it goes back even further than you alluded to, Brock. Um, and he's seen first-time power – or time with the first power play unit as well uh and it's just been super super productive and uh in Kerfoot's defense he's never really ever gotten a run like this where he's just getting 20 minutes a night alongside his team's best players um and always seems to be a guy that you know is better off the puck and creating chances for others than actually uh capitalizing on chances himself so I think playing with two players like Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller is kind of a perfect fit for him um but you know to your point we don't know how that lineup is going to shake out when Barrett Hayden comes back he did have a uh, setback in his recovery. I think he's expected back uh, after the Coyotes bye week now, which is around the middle of February. So uh, at this point, there's no reason to expect uh, Kerfoot to you know leave that line for another month or so, but expecting some sort of shakeup uh, once Hayden is returned where, yeah, geeky. It's like they've kind of just been searching for an answer down the middle of the ice to play alongside Pasternak all season long. Um, and the more time he gets there, the more at home he looks. Uh, his shot volume's gone up in recent games as well, and I just l- like betting on kind of the unproven asset that's really um, never got this sort of extended look alongside a premier player, even more so than Kerfoot. Um, and you know the minutes-wise as well, like we've never seen Geeky get more than 12 minutes in a season. So for him to be, you know, getting uh, top line, top power play minutes alongside one of the very best players in the league, and David Pasternak, and looking as good as he is. Really grabbing my attention, and I think in all formats, he's a guy that you need to keep your eye on. So he'd be the one pick for me. Drew and I, you know, I think it's great what he's been doing lately. But we just talked about Lefkin and coming back, uh, and we've seen his ice time fluctuate a lot, even with the injuries that they've had. Um, so you know, it's a it's a cool little story. Him kind of igniting some production, skating alongside McKinnon and Rantanen. But I have my doubts about that kind of continuing in the intern, especially once they get a little bit healthier. So uh, Geeky would be the one to me that I'm most drawn to, and just in you know, kind of. Uh, in terms of just the unknown, we don't know how high and how far he can take this. So he, he's one that I'm definitely keen to get on my roster right now. I thought for sure it was Kerfoot, former Leaf, plus he plays for your Coyotes. That you, you just love those Coyotes. I thought maybe he'd fit. I would pick Geeky too. And I think the reason I've always thought that Geeky had a lot of potential, right? Like he always played in that bottom six in Carolina and seemed, and seemed to be just like kind of there picking up points, kind of like how Jack Drury does now. In Seattle, he looked like somebody that could be pretty solid and then kind of kept falling down to the fourth line. He's finally getting this run. This kid that put up big points in the WHL, really good numbers in the in, in the AHL as well before turning um, into an NHL. He just He's a good hockey player, and he's only 25 years old, and I do think that he can settle into this role, like you said, D, and playing alongside David Pashnak, who's a bona fide superstar certainly makes things a lot easier. Are you going to make it a trifecta for Morgan Geeky? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I love Jonathan Drew. I love what's, what's happening there. It's great to see it click, but no geeky is the clear and obvious answer here. I, I I'm actually like mind blown that he's this low owned. Cause you think that there'd be some people who would have jumped on this a couple weeks ago. And we kind of saw the trend turning that way. Um, D is a cousin. He's he's very ahead of a lot of stuff, and and he told us he jumped on it right away. And I was like, damn, okay, there you go. And I figured there would have been a lot of people like that, but no. Um, another thing that's just beautiful about Morgan Geeky is the shot totals. 
39 shots in his last 17 games before this one. Um, that's the type of production that, you know, we, we expect from someone who's like 40, 50% owned. So to get that D nailed it on the head, they have found their center. It looks like found their center. Um, I love Pavel Zaka coming into this year. Obviously he's now his winger on the left wing. Um, but the reason I love Zaka is because he was supposed to be the centerman um, to Pasternak. And now that we found the centerman, all the things that applied earlier this year to Zaka now apply to geeky. Um, so yeah, so I got geeky first Druin second, um, Duran, while he's there, I love it. I think it's great, but you guys, you guys hit it on the head. Things change in Colorado a lot. And, uh, also two, three cold games from Duran could lead to him back down that lineup. And we saw how bad that gets. It gets pretty bad. But one thing that is noticeable is he has his confidence back. I mentioned it a few shows back when we were doing very, very low. And I believe I suggested him and I said, uh, one of Colorado's beat reporters came out and did mention, you know, this kid, this kid's kind of just has a pep in his step again. And it's showing on the score sheet. Um, this is what we, we, we know he's capable of. So um, certainly good to use for now, but certainly something to keep an eye on and keep your eye on daily face off for the lines with him. And then, yeah, like you said, Kerfoot, great story, maybe toss him in there, but uh, just too many. What ifs when people start coming back to that lineup for me to jump on that, but Morgan geeky three for three. Good for him. You'll love to see it. Actually yeah, he... all pickups like across the board here, not to, not to pump tires are like quite solid for being mid year. Um, you'd think that the own percentages would have more came around, but no. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of why we decided to do this show is we were looking at the waiver wire and just like, man, there's some good names that can be picked up, and it's like this can uh, these guys can turn into to big, you know, mid season additions without a doubt. Um, okay, we've got some defensemen to talk about here, and we'll talk about Brock Faber first. It's a pretty obvious one. All of a sudden, Jared Spurgeon lands back um on ir and brock faber looks like a guy that's probably going to be out here playing 30 minutes a night um again uh it was ridiculous when he was just out there playing a ridiculous amount uh before and it looks like that's just what's going to happen Jonas brodine has started skating again which uh will eventually cut into Faber's lifetime but in the short term brock faber he's not just you know he, he maybe doesn't have the most offensive upside but when he's playing 30 minutes a night on that top power play unit as well there's going to, he's just going to naturally pick up points um, without, a, without question. He's so, got to break out of yeah, the zone. He, like just start a breakout. If you're on the ice 32 minutes, you're going to start half the breakouts of the game. You're going to get an apple here and there. Yeah. Like in the last month, 15 games, he's a goal and seven assists, eight points. He's averaged 26 minutes and 45 seconds over that span, which is just bonkers. And with Spurgeon landing back on IR, he's just going to be playing a ridiculous amount of ice time. A couple other defensemen, I think Thomas Harley's worth a mention. He's playing a lot more. Uh, went on a heater. Like the heater obviously isn't going to continue, but he's playing a lot more. He has seen PP two time. It's not a ton, but it's better than um, seeing no power play time at all. And he's, and he's consistently seeing over 20 minutes a night right now, which is great on the season. 17 points in 33 games. And Thomas Harley is a kid that was, um, you know, just an absolute stud in the OHL. He was drafted 18th overall. He had back-to-back 50-point seasons from the back end in, in Mississauga and was a player that was very highly touted, very highly offensive, very good numbers in the AHL as well. Like, he is an offensive defenseman. He's obviously trapped behind Miro Heiskin, and he's never going to be a, you know, a bona fide fancy stud. But if you're somebody who maybe lost a, lost a Zach Rowenski or something recently and needs some help on the blue line, I do think Harley can help in that role um, at 24% own, same as favors. The other name is Rasmus Sandin. Uh, again, another guy that's on PP2, never really going to scratch the top unit so long as uh, John Carlson is healthy. But Sandin's actually been pretty solid as of late. You know, maybe that second power play gets a little bit better now with the addition of Max Pacioretty. Ovechkin's still always out there uh, as well. And he's been, you know, 
playing a ton, which is which is all you can really ask for. Six assists in his last 13 games, playing over 20 minutes a night. Um, you know, you're just looking for assists basically out of this guy, some power play points here and there. I'd prefer the other two names, but I don't think that uh, Rasmus Sandin is too terrible of a mention if you're in desperate need uh, of defensemen. Do you guys have any order? I think it's pretty safe to assume you guys would probably go Faber, Harley, Sandin, D. Yeah, yeah, I you can't argue that, and you know, you, you went through all the reasons why he's getting all the minutes, not just at five v five, but on the power play as well. That power play obviously loses a lot of upside with the injuries that they've had, Kaprizov in particular. Um, but he should just continue to eat ice, and um, he's been a killer in DFS um, for that reason as well. He's racking up those miscellaneous stats. So if you're in leagues that reward hits and particularly block shots, Faber should continue to give you a nice, healthy return on those as well. So for me, favors the, the clear cut number one here. I think even um, once Spurgeon and Brody get healthy, like there's no obvious number one to quarterback that power play. So I think if he continues to take advantage of the opportunity in front of him, he could potentially run away with that job as well. Uh, he's playing a ton of minutes, even when they were all healthy. So for me, he's the one to go with, but uh, I think you're right. If you're in uh, deeper leagues or just in really desperate need of help on the back end, um, and you don't just want to roll an empty D spot like we talked about doing in the past. And I think Harley as Sandine uh, could be appropriate options as well. Yeah, honest, I, I kind of want to give the shout out to Thomas Harley. The guy is one goal away from leading all defensemen in the NHL in goals this year, which is pretty insane. But uh, just a quick shout out. He did that while averaging currently 1843 ice. Um, and Brock mentioned it. He's popped over 20 in his last couple games. So if he can, you know, be third in the NHL in defenseman scoring with uh, with three less minutes than what he's averaging now, it's just a, a really hope for potential more goals there. But um, but yeah, no, if you if you want points, if you want miscellaneous stats, go Faber. But huge shout out to Harley. If we're talking at the end of the year about this guy being top 10 in defenseman goal scoring, that'd be a that'd be a huge who would have thought good for him at 22 years old definitely definitely a dynasty scoop um yeah no uh i was a harley doubter but um he's proved me wrong and it's good to see him get more ice and some power play time so so you're a harley um, rider i'm an absolute harley rider no helmet boys he uh his shot was pretty reliable as well i mean his last uh it looks like six seven games two shots on goal in each one of those games he's averaging over mm-hmm. two shots per game uh, dating back to, you know, the in the last month and yeah, averaging over 20 minutes per game during that time. All right, let's talk about some goalies. We're going to rip through them quickly because I think as you get down with the own percentage, it, it obviously gets worse. But I do think that uh, for this point in the season, there are goalies kind of separating themselves as, as options. Um, there's a lot of guys that were kind of in backup roles or perceived backup roles that are starting to eat into the starters workloads a little bit more and can be relied upon as a third, fourth fantasy option. If you are in need of goaltending help. So we'll start a little bit higher on Joey Decord for the Seattle Kraken. We obviously saw him post the first shutout in uh winter classic history. And he's just been absolutely terrific since uh, Philip Grubauer went out on the season. He has a 235 goals against average and a 919 save percentage. Uh, two shutouts on the year as well. I think really is what we've seen here is that Joey Decord is doing what we thought that Philip Grubauer would be able to do, right? Playing behind such a good offensive mm-hmm. team. He's currently on a four-game winning streak. During that time, he's posted a 971 save percentage, which is absolutely Ooh. ridiculous. Uh, but just dating back to the beginning of December, he's 6-2-3 and three with a 946 save percentage. He's just been absolutely outstanding. 
And at 65% owned, he can certainly help you out, even if you have to be you know, moderately choosy with your matchups. And they don't really seem to be that interested in rolling with Chris Dreger. Like Joey Decord is their bona fide number one guy right now. And I don't think that they're really going to be going away from him anytime soon. Speaking of number one goalie, uh, Martin Jones has all of a sudden become a number one goalie in the NHL again. Ilya Samsonov like has thought. struggled mightily, ended up on waivers. Yes, ended up on waivers. He's now in the AHL. And Martin Jones is the guy in Toronto. So much so that he started back-to-back nights in Los Angeles and in Anaheim. And what did he do? Well, he stopped 58 of 59 shots in those games. Back-to-back wins. He has been simply fantastic for the Toronto Maple Leafs after literally being horrendous for about a five-year span. From 2019 to 2023, his save percentages were 896, 896, 896, 900, and 886. He was just absolutely future. That's an 895 save percentage over a 220-game sample. Comes into Toronto, he's 6-3 and with a 220 goals average and 930 save percentage with two shutouts already. So this is a team that was in desperate need of goaltending. He has somehow turned back the clock and solidified things. Um, Those two guys are much higher owned than the remainder of the guys we're going to talk about. So if you're in a league where they're both available, you're going to have to make a decision between the two. D, you're a Leafs fan. Do you side with Martin Jones, or do you feel a little bit more comfortable going with a more reliable defensive team in Joey Decord, or would you rather have maybe a little bit more goal-scoring support in Martin Jones? I I think it just depends really what you need. Like if it's an injury you're dealing with, because we have had some goalies go down lately, um, then I think, you know, maybe Jones makes a little bit more sense. We'll probably provide more value in the short term, but I do expect Joseph Wall to at the very least come back and split starts with Martin Jones once he is healthy, if not outright take the job back. I don't think they really envision Jones being the long-term answer there. I think they're more or less just riding the hot hand here and are really grateful they're getting some sort of a formidable goaltending uh, in Wool's absence because obviously they weren't getting it anywhere else. I uh, was super disappointed that we didn't get to see the six foot eight Hildebeest last night, but Hopefully that time comes before too long. Um, so, yeah, I think, like I said, it really just depends what you're looking for. If you've just been struggling for goaltending all season, then I think Joey Decord makes a lot more sense just because, to your point, like even once Grubauer comes back, it's hard to imagine them going away from Decord at this point. We've gotten, what, two and a half seasons of Grubauer struggles in Seattle uh, at this point, and Decord has just looked nothing but um, spectacular since he's come in, in in Grubauer's absence. So I don't see how you go away from Decord as the number one netminder um, it's really not, you know, Grubauer losing the job to injury. It was the court getting the opportunity due to injury, but Grubauer, like I said, has been struggling, um, for the last couple of years. And we even saw Martin Jones, even with his below average splits become pretty fantasy relevant because he was getting starts and getting good goal support there and picking up a lot of wind in Seattle last season. So, uh, like I said, I think if you're just looking for long-term help and you've been struggling in goal all season, Joey Decord makes more sense. If you're really just looking to replace one of the injured starting net minors that are out there right now, then. I do think Martin Jones will produce more value in the short term. I just expect and hope as a Maple Leafs fan that uh, he can give you more wins so long as he is the bona fide number one starter. Yeah, D, D absolutely nailed it because one of them has a guy coming back with an 884 save percentage, and one of them has a guy coming back with a 916 save percentage. And uh, Jones is the one with the 916, and that, that that's Wolves coming back. And uh and, and yeah, I think, you know, it's always, there's always value in, in being a Leafs netminder. Um, and that's where that one ends. I, uh, we saw kind of the changing of guard happening even before Grubauer's injury. Decord was stealing starts. Even when Decord was playing average, 
per se, um, you know, not shooting a 950 or 940 in the month. He was still getting basically 50% splits with Grubauer, and that's how bad Grubauer was. Um, they're loving the energy from Decord. They struggled out of the bat in Seattle very, very hard. Um, and now now they look quite good now that they have a goalie. So things are uh, things are looking up, and I think that they're going to continue to ride this. So I think that Joey Decard is a fantasy goaltender or a fantasy saver for some teams this year um, in the, in the, in, in goal. If you're facing injuries, if you really need help. It's someone who I can't believe I'm this excited about, but um, he's, he's playing phenomenal. And we've just been waiting for any serviceable goaltender to take advantage of those phenomenal defensive numbers in Seattle. So thank you, Joey D. And uh, that uh, I felt pretty bad because uh, Vegas tweeted out after that game, um, that that winter class game. They said we had all these cool goal visuals ready, uh, but they didn't get to show any off. So goddamn, uh, thank you, Joe. thank you, Joey Decord for uh, for for not having us see any of those. But yeah, no, he's definitely my choice here across the board on all goalies. Yeah, I think there's something to be said too for what he did last year. Right, he he led in AHL. Uh, run to the AHL Calder Cup final and um, probably, you know, I started 26 games during that playoff run. Yeah, obviously something like that can go a long way in, in building some confidence and, and, and uh, you know, making you a better goalie, right? You, you, you went through the grind, you went through that uh, playoff run and he was the guy. Now he got a, kind of a taste of what that was like and now he is the guy um, in, in, in Seattle right now. See, I lean to court as well over Martin Jones. I don't think it's that big of a surprise, but I do think Martin Jones might be a little bit of a better option in points leaks, right? He's probably going to face a little bit more shot volume, um, might be able to rack up a few more points in the short term than um, Joey Decord. But in the next goalie here, probably a tier of his own, just because he is like a number one starter as well. We probably could have included him with Joey Decord and Alex Lyon, but I, or, and uh, Martin Jones, but Alex Lyon of the Detroit Red Wings, 33%. On, he's been really good, right? He's the guy that literally scraped the, uh, Panthers to the playoffs last year. So this is not really shocking to see him playing well for the Detroit Red Wings this year. 253 goals against average, 917 save percentage and 10 stars. Been a little bit um, worse his last couple of outings, but for the season, he's been the Red Wings' most reliable net minder with Vili Husso out long-term and James Reimer looking absolutely awful. This is Alex Lyon and Alex Lyon alone in Detroit at the moment. He's going to continue to get basically every single start for them. So uh, he's in the same, a similar tier as Decord and Jones, but I think you guys would both have him third in, on that list just because of the, the team quality. The Red Wings have really struggled uh, as of late, particularly defensively. They might be able to offer him a decent amount of goal support, but defensively they're not you know, in, in the same realm as, as Seattle, and they're obviously not going to score as many goals as Toronto moving forward, I don't think. So would you guys agree that you would have Joe, uh, Alex Lyon third here, or would you maybe bump him ahead of Jones because he might be able to hold on to the job longer? If it was three starts ago, I might have that conversation. Um, just the last three starts he's pushed. He hasn't pushed above a 900 save percentage. It's really kind of affected his, his stats in general um, because let's just face it. He doesn't have a ton to go off off 10 games this year. Um, I do think Detroit, like, you got to think Billy is going to get some starts when he's back here. So I think I'm still going to go Jones definitely just because even when wall is there, he, he, he got hurt. You're still going to have to play your other goalie. And, and when Jones does start, I think that's a pretty much must play in your lineup just with the team in front of him. Um, if, if you're going for wins at least. Um, so I got to go Jones still, but I, I think line is there's a shadow good for him. He's definitely, I'm expecting him to get 60 
5% maybe starts going forward, but we've seen it with other goalies in Detroit. Like this is the third or fourth time we talked about this guy's the starter in Detroit now. Um, and it's gone bad a couple, a couple other times. So uh lion is scaring me lately so that's also why i'm here but um but no he definitely is good if you're you don't like the detroit off. lion i <laughs> i i not the lion i sure i love the lions though i will say that you only like <laughs> them in the plural version not the singular. yeah version. absolutely you, uh, yeah. you'd be third on your list yes sorry i was muted muted while I was no it's voice. all good yes that's okay. Okay. Lion would oh, be he's good. certainly a step ahead of the goalies too back. that we talk about going forward. I will say that in Lions defense, as much yeah. as I just, you know, pounced on him, um, I will say he deserves uh, a Lions defense, defense and pounce. Nice. I don't know if you meant to do either one of those, but um, okay. Yeah. These guys are all backups, but they're certainly starting to eat into the starters workload. Samuel Erson uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers, Alex Nadelkovich from the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Nico Dawes of the New Jersey. Devils. Arison's been really good. There was that little stretch where uh, Carter Hart just couldn't play because he was sick, and then it looked like he was back, and then he was still sick, and then it looked like he was back, and then he was still sick, and then it looked like he was back, and then he was still sick, and it was just like, okay, Arison, you're you're the guy right now. Um, he had an absolutely horrendous start to the season, but uh, since you know he allowed five, seven, and two goals, and then was pulled. Um, in his first three games since then, he has been absolutely terrific. The numbers will okay. He has a 926 save percentage. He's 93 and one in his last 13 starts. So uh, you can see why he's starting to eat into Carter Hart's workload a little bit, and he's been just super, super good. Gets kind of you expect it to be Hart, and then Harrison starts, and uh, he's been nothing but a spectacular streaming target pretty much all season. And the Flyers have been very, very reliable defensively they have one of the best penalty kills in the league and i think that they can continue to provide strong defense in front of sam arison and if you need you know desperate for goalie help in deeper leagues arison is definitely somebody that i think can you know at least get you one start a week right now and maybe more moving forward alex and delkovich kind of in the same boat um tristan jari has been kind of hot and cold uh which isn't surprising if you you know watch tristan jari over the last every year classic Nadelkovic um, has been a lot better than he was in Detroit but he's also had some blow-up games he's given up five already tonight against the uh Boston Bruins so he hasn't done exactly what's probably necessary to lock down a you know a heavy workload in uh Pittsburgh but he seems to be getting at least one start a week right now as well and he's been fairly reliable for me i would lean towards arison more than adelkovich and then nico dawes is probably the most intriguing name on the list because the new jersey devils much like the toronto maple Leafs, have kind of just been searching for a guy to take the run um in the crease here and we saw nico dawes was like the guy two years ago and they literally started him every single night it just did not matter they ran the four kid into the ground uh then he just never returned to the nhl for a whole year and now he's back with schmidt in the hl i don't know what their thought process is here uh, with Nico Dawes, but he's looked pretty good in his first two starts. He's won both of them since returning. Really good AHL numbers so far this year as well. So Nico Dawes is, of the three of these guys, probably the one that is the most likely to take it, the number one job. I, I still think that Vanacek's probably going to see about 50% of the starts, but Arison might see 40, Nadelkovic might see 35%. At least Dawes might be able to carve out a 50-50 split, and he could carve out a larger role. If we're being honest, Vancek hasn't done a whole lot to inspire confidence. And what we've seen from Dawes so far has been great. The Devils are a very good hockey team. Having their goaltender, um, you know, 
off the waiver wire could be very, very helpful. I picked up Akira Schmid a hundred times this year, hoping, okay, he's going to go on the run that we saw him go on last year. It never materialized. D, where do you sit here? Sam Arison, Alex Dukovich, Nico Dawes. Uh, I go Dawes hundred percent. I I actually like him more than Lyon at this point, just because I, I, you know, I love taking the gamble on the upside that that starting job could offer you uh, as a fantasy net miner, kind of like you alluded to already, Brock. Um, so yeah, I did drop Lyon for Dawes in a, uh, redraft league uh, just last week, just because, uh, you know, to Beebs' point, I mean, they ran a three-headed monster in Detroit when all guys were healthy for a while there. So I, I really don't know how much we can expect in terms of workload for Lyon to really get. Um, whereas Dawes, like, yeah, in the meantime, it's it's going to be a split. But if, in you know, obviously we're, we're early days here. We, we could be talking, uh, or this could be the very last time all season that we talk about Nico Dawes. But if it keeps going the way that it's going and, he keeps delivering above average goaltending and they keep getting, uh, you know, bottom five goaltending in terms of save percentage out of Vanacek and Schmid, whoever else is, is going to be up there with him. Then I, I, I really don't see why they wouldn't just keep leaning on Dawes. To your point, it's a guy that handled a really heavy workload a couple of years ago. So it's not, uh, it's not like you're really worried about, uh, you know, giving this young goaltender too many games. So um, he just came off off season hip surgery, which might explain, uh, some of the struggles he's been kind of been experiencing over the last year and a half is, you know, in all accounts has looked really good. It feels really good. feels as good as he ever has. If you want to buy into that sort of speak um, following that surgery. So uh, yeah, it's again, we're, we're talking a really small sample size, but when it comes to fantasy, sometimes you got to jump on those small sample sizes and just hope that they hold true over the long term. because if it does, then I, I think we definitely could be talking about the devil's future. Number one net miner. And to your point, Brock, very good team. I always talk about how a goaltender and fantasy is 90% team stats. So if you can um, get a guy that's going to be starting the majority of their games and maybe deliver some above average splits, uh, he could be a real steal off the wire. So he's actually with the third favorite name that we're going to talk about here um, after Decord and Jones. And I think really, if you're really desperate for some long-term help, I think he could be a better fit on your team than even Martin Jones. I D you're just nailing it for me today. Um, absolutely spot on. Nico Dawes is this is this is very exciting. Before the show, we were talking. I, I said that his uh, his own percentage has dropped three percent since lunch today, and um, said it's probably just because of the spot start. But also, I thought it would kind of get pushed, just because there is so much potential here to steal. Just what is such a cushy job? Uh, New Jersey is sixth in the NHL right now in goals. They're averaging three and a half a game. They're also have the best power play in the league. Pretty good. Um, they're also eighth in the league in shots against. So when you put two top 10 stats in categories that really help goaltenders as a whole, we have Alexander Gorgiev leading the league in wins right now with an 896 save percentage. Um, so if he gives them a 900, that's going to be a lot better than the 883 they're getting out of Vitek Vanacek, which is, by the way, the third worst save percentage out of the goalies that count. So I believe it's like five starts or something or five uh, appearances. But, um, but yeah, no, it's uh Dawes is incredibly exciting here. This could be a season turner as much as I was excited about Joey Decord saying, Hey, he, he, he could be a starter. Um, like they said, you have to jump on these things, especially with goalies. We've watched other goalies just go from, you know, mid thirties, mid forties earlier in the year to now almost 80, I'm trying to think of a one, for example, but we, we have seen a few just jump as they pick up the wins, as they see more starts. And if we see that from Dawes, as much as we might not be talking about him next week, 
in one week, we could also be talking about him being 50% owned. If we do see him go again tomorrow um, as they play, which would just be a huge statement if he goes three games back, back, back. Um, but, uh, but no, yeah, I, I'm really excited about Dawes here. Would have loved Nedeljkovic uh, to, to do something nice today, but uh, Samuel Ursa, just quick shout out. Um, we mentioned it. Carter Hart does not look like himself as much. I mean, he's, he's playing, but we're seeing a miss games to illness. We're seeing random sit outs, random call-ups of Felix Sandstrom. Um, so it's uh and Urson's holding it down. So yeah, I, I, when he is going, I surprisingly like it. And I never thought I'd say that about the Flyers, but yeah, Nico Dawes, my number three goalie on here. If we're picking up for the next month, if we're picking up for the whole year, I got to think it's, he's my number two um, just off the small chance that he is the starter in New Jersey, which is probably one of the best jobs you can have. So Yeah, I would agree with you guys. If I was picking up for the rest of the year, it would be Decor, Dawes, Jones. Um, If I'm picking up short-term, Jones might have a little bit more value. I just went to our big money league that me and D play in, and he's got Joey Decor and Nico Dawes rocking on that squad, so he's feeling pretty good about hopefully both of those guys moving forward. Am I? Yeah, I said you're hope, yeah. hopefully you, you, you're feeling pretty good because at least you got Andre Vasilevsky posting like an 895 save percentage for you there as well. But you got him off the waiver wire somehow, so um, it's, it's not that big of a loss. But Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, let's get quickly to the Big Bedway Bets for today, and then we will go... Uh, to D streamers for the weekend as well. So uh, don't forget, Betway is the sponsor of the show. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Nineteen must be 19 years older. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Pretty ugly three game slate on Friday. You've got Carolina and Washington. You got Chicago and New Jersey, and you've got Winnipeg, Anaheim. So you've got three pretty sizable favorites. Which um, you know, if you don't feel like spending big money it's kind of hard to win big money betting on big favorites. Uh, I will say that Carolina minus 170 isn't too stretched out for me. Um, I would be happy to take Carolina there. They're just absolutely dominant. The Washington Capitals, we we, we kind of know who they are. They've either um, been really solid offensively and horrible defensively. Then it seemed like they sacrificed offense for defense. Then they couldn't score. The power play still asked. Carolina's on an absolute heater. So I am fine with Carolina minus 170. Um, outside of that, it does get a little bit dicey. Even the New Jersey Devils, the spread tomorrow is minus two and a half, um, which is just goes to show how big of favorites they are against the Blackhawks. But I don't hate it at uh, plus 110, considering the Blackhawks are on a back-to-back. We're probably going to see Arvid Soderblom tomorrow. And this Blackhawks team is just absolutely decimated by injuries. Like, every day, they just lose a new forward. And it's not their just bottom six forwards. Like they're literally just losing Everyone. everybody. Uh, Seth Jones has been out long-term. They have no Andreas Athanasiu, no Taylor Hall, no Taylor Radish, no Tyler Johnson, no Anthony Beauvillier. They've lost everybody. So um, 
as easy it is to take two and a, minus two and a half in an NHL game, I do think this devil team's looking to get rolling. And it might not be the craziest thing because this Blackhawks team on a back-to-back is just an absolute nightmare. So anyways, those were the Betway bets of the day. Let's turn it over to D for D's weekend streamers. All right, then. So pulling up this weekend's schedule, um, we're getting back to some normality here. We got just three games on Friday, 12 on Saturday, and then four games on Sunday. So obviously the team's playing Friday, Sunday is who we're going to look to target in terms of skaters. And then surprisingly, uh, just one team going back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. So we do have one Sunday savior and goal to go over at the end here. Uh, But we're going to start it off here looking at the skaters going Friday and Sunday. First team is the Ducks. Uh, Anaheim is hosting Winnipeg on Friday before they host the Red Wings on Sunday. So a couple of decent matchups there, considering they are the Anaheim Ducks. We'll start it off with some high own percentages here. Really just two names you want to look at. The Ducks are pretty banged up right now. Um, So maybe some of the other names that might uh, normally be available on the wire aren't necessarily going to be there. But Trevor Zegras still just 46% owned. So in shower leagues, uh, Zegras definitely worth a punt this weekend. First line, first power play unit, of course. Uh, just one goal, two assists since returning in those five games. But he does that, but he does have 13 shots on goal. Uh, we know the upside that Zegers can possess. So uh, if you're looking to steal some categories this weekend, you want to shoot for the moon. Obviously, Trevor Zegers can be a strong play in those shallower leagues. Other than that, we got Alex Kalorn. Really, only other name I want to mention here. He's got left wing, right wing eligibility. He's just 21% owned. First line and first power play unit as well, alongside Zegers. He's got one goal, five assists, 16 shots on goal in his last eight games. So a bit of a heater relative to the career of Alex Kalorn. So a couple of names there to consider out, out of Anaheim. Uh, and then we go to Chicago, uh, to as Brock said. I, I mean, we don't have a lot to, to choose with, even if they were fully healthy. Um, and it, it certainly stays that way now with how banged up they are. But it has opened up a ton of minutes for Philip Kurashev. Uh, straight center eligibility, just 3% owned. Annie Swiss, you know, we love that on the pod. First line, first power play unit alongside the lone hope in Chicago, Connor Bedard. Uh, and Kershaw's looked pretty good of late, taking advantage of that extra ice time. One goal, four assists in his last five games, 10 shots on goal while averaging just under 19 minutes a night. So obviously with those matchups in New Jersey versus the Flames uh, and the fact that they're just the Blackhawks plus minus is going to be an issue here. So just keep that in mind. But I think in deep leagues, Kershaw could be worth uh, a, a punt this weekend. And then moving on to the third of the four teams on the Friday-Sunday schedule this weekend, we got the Washington Capitals hosting Carolina on Friday before they host the Kings on Sunday. Max Pacioretty, who we talked about earlier, uh, 34% owned, at least as of this afternoon. He was just 11 minutes of ice time in his debut on Wednesday. Uh, I do expect him to move up the Capitals lineup sooner than later, so maybe we see that this weekend. Uh, a couple of tough matchups, though, this weekend, and it needs to be said. But Dylan Strom, otherwise, 30% owned, straight center eligible. He's cooled off a bit of late. Just two points in his last six games, but his usage still makes him a viable option for me this weekend. He's skating alongside Pacioretty at 5v5 and Matthew Phillips, but obviously that's not as sexy of a name to drop here. Uh, but Strom also featuring on the Capitals' top power play unit, so one to keep in mind. Again, Kuznetsov, uh, yep, he's still playing in the NHL. He's having a season to forget, though. He's recently moved up to center of Etchkin and Tom Wilson on the Capitals' first line, so that's something to take note of. Uh, also skating with the first power play unit, averaging over 20 minutes of ice time in his last three games with seven shots on goal over that span. So been a nice little mini stretch here for Kuznetsov, uh, culminating in a two-point performance against the Devils on Wednesday. So certainly uh, could be a viable option this weekend if those short-term trends hold up over the weekend. And then we got Anthony Mantha, 7% owned uh, for a while there. He's one of the hottest players in the league, at least in terms of the guys getting bottom six minutes. So the usage still leaves a lot to be desired, but the run he's on 
Uh, been a little too good to ignore. Four goals, three assists, 22 shots on goal in his last eight games, all while playing just 14 and a half minutes a night. So hopefully that strong play warrants him some additional minutes and some time at the first power play unit this weekend. That hasn't happened as of yet. Uh, so for the time being, you know, he's limited to second line, second power play unit usage, but still makes for a worthy streaming candidate in deeper leagues this weekend, considering how often he's getting that puck on net. And then finally, we've got the Jets, who probably have the most friendly schedule this weekend in terms of streaming there in Anaheim on Friday before traveling to the Mullet to play the Coyotes on Sunday. Nino Niederreiter, uh, old, old friend of the show, right wing eligible, 28% owned, limited to a third line role, second power play unit usage, but just been firing the puck like crazy. That's what Nino does. Nino do what Nino does. 17 shots on goal in his last five games, four goals over that stretch. Uh, not the highest ceiling given the minutes, but a decent bet to add to your goal totals this weekend. Uh, and for leagues that reward shots on goal, he can be a really cheap source uh, there as well. So keep that in mind. And then the only other sub 50% name I want to mention here is Cole Perfetti, uh, Ryan Hartman's uh, picking boy, center left wing eligible, 22% owns, got some stitches, but he's still playing hockey right now. Continues to fire the puck at an alarming rate, despite some limited ice time. Uh, a guy that you should still be keeping an eye on in dynasty leagues just in general, but for this weekend, currently skating on the Jets' second line and second power play unit, 19 shots on goal in his last six games. Uh, he's been unfortunate not to score on any of those 19 shots, but has picked up four assists over that stretch. So a guy that I would say is due to find the back of the net this weekend, Cole Perfetti. And then moving in goal, like I said, just one team playing Saturday, Sunday this weekend. So if you're looking for a spot start on goal uh, and you know you don't want it to be Arvid Soderbaum of the Blackhawks, the only name out there could very well be Dan Vladar, who's starting tonight. I think is winning as of right now. I think they're at 4-2 against the Predators. Uh, got a surprise start tonight, but that all but guarantees that Jacob Markstrom will be back in net on Saturday in Philadelphia, which should leave Vladar to take on the Blackhawks on Sunday. Ooh, what a juicy matchup that will be. Brock just talked about how bad of favorites the Devils will be. Don't expect a line of two and a half goals for Calgary on Sunday, but they will be heavy, heavy favorites. I would expect something around minus 300 on the money line. Vladar has not been outstanding this season, but he has looked pretty good his last couple of starts, finally getting back in goal after Markstrom returned from that fractured finger. Uh, and yeah, looks pretty good so far tonight, getting an absolute dream matchup on Sunday. So if you can get ahead of it on Saturday, find some room on your roster for Vladar. You know his own percentage is going to shoot up at least 10% on Sunday uh, when the Flames travel to Chicago. So look to get ahead of that one because yeah, he might be the only viable option out there. Otherwise, you're just going to be uh, throwing out punts and prayers on guys like Arvid Soderblom. So those are our streams this weekend. Hopefully uh, you can pick up a couple of those names and they can make the difference in your matchups or at least give yourself a, a bit of a fighting chance or, or maybe an extended category leagues, give you a chance to crawl back a category two and limit the damage. Yeah. the uh, If you decided to pick up um, Vladar tonight, you might have two starts out of him this week, which would be a little bit surprising. Um, I think the only other names I would throw out there, John Gibson at 45% owned might be a little bit more difficult to pick up. Could be Lucas Dostal, but they've got the Red Wings on Sunday. Dostal, obviously, was Dostal. Yeah. 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 Like you'd think maybe Gibson goes tomorrow against the Jets unless they want to reward Dostal with another start. But after making 55 saves last night, I doubt they want to start him again. So maybe uh, get Gibson tomorrow and Dostal Sunday against the Red Wings, not a terrible matchup at 7% owned. He'd be pretty widely available as well. Um, but that's going to do it for Season 9, Episode 26 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. Thank you. As always, for tuning in, we've got Dylan D. Burton and Michael Bisbani with us. See you guys back here next week. A lot of names out there. Go scoop them up. Peace.